You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. It's a new school year and you've just made it through the first few days of big school. Your kid might be loving school, in which case you're in a good place. If your child isn't loving school, they may be missing you, feeling lonely or just plain overwhelmed by the enormity of their new environment. Well, that can be challenging. Elizabeth Shaw is the CEO of Relationships Australia New South Wales and a practicing psychologist. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. What's the best way to respond when your child wakes up and says straight away, I don't want to go to school, and then they continue to repeat that all the way up to the front gate? Mm. That speaking from experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, look, it's um, it's heart wrenching because I think any time as a parent you feel forced. Um, to drag your child and some parents have had to physically get their child through the gate. You you do feel very bad about yourself, your management. Um, are you torturing your child? Um, and, and even if you get to walk away, um, you can spend the day really worried about how your child's going. So it is a real torment. I think what's really important is to really reflect on your own attitudes to school. Sometimes there is a history to this that could be quite unconscious, could be quite direct, that I think for some people who haven't had a good school experience themselves, even if they're wanting to set their child up well, there could be an anxiety that they're transmitting as soon as your child says, I've got no friends and you remember you didn't have any friends either. Um, Those sort of things, that kind of perfect match between some of the things your child's saying and some of your own experiences can in itself get in the way of problem solving. And for some parents, revisiting school, it's not a pleasant experience. A lot of things are repeated in the dynamics between parents in the schoolyard that happen for children in the schoolyard. So the first thing I'd say is to really look at, you know, how you're feeling about getting your child to school and the tensions in your own life, because I think, you know, you have a a short time to get your child to school. If you're dropping at childcare, you have some flexibility about where you, when you turn up, with school and you're trying to get to work often, you can be transmitting some tension and urgency about I can't be messing around like this. And that also can add a certain level of tension in the home environment in trying to get everybody where they need to be. What you're saying about, you know, sort of being aware of your own stuff, would it be fair to say that most adults probably have never processed if they had issues at school because I'm thinking of my generation I know I definitely had issues in primary school and then I just went on and you know completed school and high school successfully had my friends etc but what happened back at primary school stayed at primary school is that part of the problem that we may talk about things with a a counsellor or a friend today about something that bothered us last week but unlikely to do it about something that bothered us 10, 15, 20 years ago. Look, I think you're absolutely right. It's not until you're back at primary school, and this is the thing, that as a parent you are literally back at primary (laughs) school, that it all comes up and it's hard to know, well, what do I do with that? Some people aren't even in touch with it that much. They're busy thinking, no, this is about parenting and it's about my child. That's why I'm saying I think stop and make the connections because because I think, for example, if you feel over-sympathetic to your child's struggle, it could be because you're tuning in to 
the suffering in a way that's, um, you know, you don't want to repeat perhaps maybe how you were managed when you were going through the same struggles. So I think it's like any parenting, sometimes just kind of getting your head on straight about um, how am I going to manage this and how am I in the in the moment? Because in fact, some of your experiences could be really useful. It may be, for example, reflecting on how you overcame some of the struggles. These are stories you could share with your children. It could actually be rather than I've got to protect them from what I went through, it could be a resource. Um, you get a window where your children are interested in your stories. It slams shut in the teenage <laughs> years, but sometimes, sometimes little simple stories can be helpful, sometimes not. But I think remembering how you solved the problems um, or what helped you along the way, what made it turn out okay, gives you hope that it'll be all right. And, you know, the fact that you've survived it and uh, moved on, you, you remember that as well, not just the torment of what you went through, but the problem solving, the resilience, what were the things that made it turn out differently. So it's, it's the first thing I'd recommend. I think also trying to process things the night before, not in the morning. And by the night before, I shouldn't say the night before, I should say not right at bedtime when everyone's tired because sometimes the dread and the anxiety is higher in a bedtime conversation. And I think also making sure that you process it with your children around uh, so it's not just saying, how was your day? I bet it was great, which imposes something, but more tell me what was your favourite part of the day. If you say, how was your day? That tends to not lead anywhere with children. But I think helping your child notice that there were some positives without telling them there were positives, but I think trying to elicit that, trying to get ready for the day, try to do some problem solving the night before. If they say I had no one to play with, sometimes the first description is not what really happened. So it could be I had no one. And then as you go, so what did you do? And how did you spend the time then? And was there anyone around while you were doing that? You start to hear that there were conversations, there were little moments, there was a bit more to the story. So again, if you're anxious and worried, you'll listen to the first description and do some problem solving. Okay, so you're a bit lonely. Let's talk about what you could try tomorrow. Did you notice anyone else feeling lonely? I bet there were other lonely people. And so you've got some ideas that are not what you're doing in the morning, which is much harder. Um, and Mornings I think, are always hard. Well, I think what you're trying to do is build resilience. It's, it's about you can get through this and it can be different each day. That's the message you're trying to convey, not that it's, it was doom yesterday and you're preparing for doom the next day and the day after. When you say that sometimes you can be over sympathetic to your child, especially yeah. if you had those sorts of problems when you were at school, um, there is a fine line between being compassionate and then dwelling too much on a problem, mm. isn't there? How do we respond to our kids if they're, if they're not taking on board what we're saying? Which mm. I've got to say, I feel like is 80% of the time yeah, with my yeah. children. Well, sometimes I think it's, it's how you're trying to solve it with them. So part of it is practical strategies. What could you try tomorrow? That kind of thing. But some of it is about really with your children it's saying life's going to throw a lot of stuff at them and in the end it's not about entirely about what I can learn in this particular situation it's how do I manage myself through tough times so sometimes you might be saying 
you know, look, remember that party you went to and you thought you'd have no one to play with and eventually you got there and you had quite a good time. Sometimes it's drawing examples which are about where you've seen your child manage things and reminding them that they're capable and, you know, if you're lucky you've got some of those examples where they got through some tough things. Remember you were scared of going to the dentist and it turned out better and you or it might be it didn't turn out better but you got through it and you know we were able to drive home and it was done and it felt good it was done so you don't have to make a positive story it might be a resilient story of survival so I think it's also letting your child know that you believe in them that you believe that they're capable that you uh, believe that they will weather the day that there could be some things that happen that are different and that you that you're at their back to get to get through it not you'll be suffering and I'm here to share your suffering but more like I think you're you know the kind of person that can get through it if you if that's your orientation and you're looking for opportunities then that's a skill building that will see them through their lives how about when children aren't articulating that they don't want to go Mm. to school and instead you're starting to notice a pattern of mummy my tummy hurts I feel sick yeah um those kinds of complaints where if you know your child, you know they're okay. Yes, yes. What about those children who maybe aren't identifying that what they're feeling is anxiety? Yeah, it's really good to read it as anxiety. As you say, you can, sometimes you don't know how to call it and you just have to see, it could be medical. But if you know it's not an anxiety, often causes knots in stomachs, that's a very common thing, then it it generally needs to be that let's go to school and, and we'll see how the day pans out. And so it is about saying, you know, we go regardless and usually what you'll find is they get through the day. If they get to morning tea, they'll get through the day. There are some kids who who don't, and then you'll need some extra strategies to get through the day. In those sorts of moments where you do think that your child will continue to complain and a teacher won't know how to call it, getting the teacher in the loop and say at the moment, I have no reason to believe it's medical and you know I need your support to distract them and to say, well, I know your tummy hurts, but you know let's see if you do this colouring in, whether you can get the colouring in done and see if a distraction would help. So a good teacher will help you with that because it's very common for small children. And do we need to identify with our kids that I know your tummy hurts, but Uh, sometimes our tummies hurt when we might be worried about something. Like, is it age appropriate to try and connect that for them? Look, absolutely. And sometimes you'll find it's got mileage and sometimes it won't. But I think saying it is really important. Um, Kids will soon be quick to say, um, no, but on this occasion, I'm sure I'm sick. And, you know, you do have to be careful about leaping to medicalise things. And look, every parent's had the experience, I think, where you call it as anxiety and by lunchtime they're vomiting and then you've got guilty parents syndrome, <laughs> plenty of those opportunities. And you have to just forgive yourself for that because that's that's going to happen too. When children are having troubles with going to school, sometimes that can really escalate at the drop-off. Yes. So some schools will give you the option. Some some schools you'll have to drop off at the gate. Some schools will give you the option to wait for the bell to ring. Mm. Some will even let parents hang around mm. after the bell has rung mm. until the kids file yeah. off to class. If you had a choice on how to do drop-off so that the child doesn't suffer, doesn't start crying and clinging mm. to you and not wanting you to leave... What option would you suggest Mm. is the best way to do it? 
Look, I think it's it's less about the school options and more about how you've set your child up for success and how, how you are going to approach it because really all of those options end up resulting in a parting from the child. So um, I think sometimes you can take refuge in the rules because you can't linger. And so for a child who will be tormented by mum's about to go, mum's about to go, mum's about to go, to have just gone can be much more helpful. They just move on and they have to move on. So I think a lingering parting for a child who's already struggling is, is not necessarily helpful. But there's always a deadline with a school bell. And so, you know, the deadline is what you're working with. So I think it's less about that and more about have you set your child up to be able to manage that moment. And is that setting up what you were discussing before in terms of strategizing how to make the day better? Or is actual separation something we can talk to our kids about? Absolutely, because um, some of it is about separation. And the kids that have been to childcare can sometimes have um, a practice at it. And so for them, it's, it's not the same thing at all. I think what you can do if it's you know, really very hard is sometimes it is self-comfort that even if you leave your child crying, if they're holding the hand of the teacher, you you have to walk away and trust that it turned out differently because it generally does. You know, children do move on. Teachers are very used to this, particularly kindy teachers. They will manage it. You've got to trust that they're incredibly used to this. And uh, within a few weeks, this changes. You've just got to trust. Um, It's the only way you can get on with your life. But I think also sometimes a transitional a transitional object. It might be something that they have with them that, you know, that they can use as a comfort. You might put notes in the lunchbox just to say, you know, looking forward to hearing your news or have a great day or I love you. Or um, So sometimes just, you know, little moments like that, or it might be giving them a job to do. Now I want you to really notice who you played because I want to hear all your stories. Off you go and let's compare notes at the end of the day. So it's also creating bridges that the child holds on to something to give you back. They'll give you back a story. Sometimes those things can help. So change is difficult for all of us. And sometimes you might need, I'd say, in a new job, six months to get used to it. Is there a period of time that would be similar for kids that we should expect or or be okay with our child settling into a new environment and still having a few issues with separation? And I ask this question thinking, sometimes children struggle for longer And that can start to concern you as a parent and you might want to get in touch with the school counsellor or see a counsellor outside of school. Um, But it can be difficult to know, is this normal? Mm. And when should you ask for help? Yeah. Uh, Look, I think... um I think in kinder years in particular, it can come and go. So you can think by a few weeks in, um, they've kind of got the hang of it. But sometimes that's just when a child realises, no, this is permanent. You know, at the end of the first week, you told me this would be great. What, I'm staying here for 12 years. This is a disaster. <laughs> so I think I think there can be another point where they can sort of test, is it true I have to stay here? And then unfortunately, even if they settle in, coming back after the first holiday, again, a couple of weeks at home, so you can reignite it. And I think you've, as a parent, got to say, we managed this once before and 
I'll use those same skills. So it can come and go. And of course, at the end of the long holiday at the first year, going into first year can be tricky. I think the thing to do as a parent is compare notes with other te- other parents in the schoolyard. Um, you'll notice the other kids that are struggling as well. And ask the teacher, how are they settling in? A teacher will often say, look, compared to others, they're doing a lot better. Or yes, they are taking a bit longer, but it's quite normal. Use those reference points first. They're gold for a parent. And then by all means, you could check with the school counsellor and they'll give you a kind of reference point as to how your child's going compared to others. But if you know that your child in other settings takes a little while to warm up or they're a little shyer, then you also need to manage that as perhaps a particular skill that they're working on. And um, as long as it doesn't impair their engagement, I think that's usually at the clinical level how we assess it. Is it actually impairing their ability to proceed so they're not making it to school? That in fact your child is screaming and others really have moved on. That's where there could be something else going on. But there's a lot of wavering all throughout the first term. I love that you say it's a skill that mm. they're learning because mm. I feel like well, in like some ways... sleep and anything else, these are actual skills for life. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I'm still yeah. learning those skills. Absolutely, emotional yes. self-regulation. Yes. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time Pleasure. today. Elizabeth Shaw, CEO of Relationships Australia, New South Wales. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.